Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here. It's my privilege to welcome you, and I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments as we jump into the Word, as we continue our series this morning. We are excited that you have joined us. Everything is in the Version app. If you will uh, find it under events, uh, Impact City Church, and all the notes and all the different points that I'll be covering this morning are there. Um, we're excited that you're here. We're excited for the opportunity to be able to share our Sunday morning with you. So let's jump right in. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, out of the New Living Translation. Uh, Paul writes, and he says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. It's already been done with the blood of his son, and forgave our sins. Amen. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. It's already been done for you. It's already been done for you. It is our responsibility to simply say yes, and we accept it. So let's go. Because we live in a fallen world, this is important for us to understand. We face the realities of hurt and we face the realities of offense. There are people that have hurt us. There are people that have offended us. But I would, I, would, I would remind you that let's stay mindful of the fact that just as we have been hurt and just as we have been offended, it is likely that you and I have hurt others and that we have offended others. So let us keep an open mind as we go ahead and jump into the world. The words and the deeds of others truly can wound us and can hurt us. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me is one of the greatest lies that you and I have been told growing up. Because the truth is that after the wounds heal and after the scars begin to settle in, what the words that have been spoken into our lives remain with us for a very long time. They can come to us into the core and they can hurt us in an indescribable manner and in an indescribable way. Things like neglect or things like abuse, things like violence, betrayal, perhaps some cruel remarks that somebody just said in the heat of a moment and, and did it just to get under your skin can cause bitterness and it can cause resentment to infiltrate our hearts. And while we try to forget about it, the truth is that the words that are spoken to us stay with us. And if we don't ever surrender that to Jesus, it can truly affect every aspect of our lives. And that is, with the help of the Lord, my objective today is to be able to surrender whatever there is in our lives to God and to know that while we can't work through it and while we can't talk through it with a counselor from time to time or, or a therapist from time to time, the truth is that Jesus can do it if we just let him. He can do it if we let him. Perhaps even unintentionally, some of us are harboring today unforgiveness without even thinking about it. It's just become second nature because of something that we have been exposed to. The truth is an unforgiven offense is like an arrow that is dipped in poison. The offense slashes through, slashes through our defenses and hurts us in the moment. But after all is said and done, the unforgiveness is like a poison that remains long inside of us. After, months after, 
years after the event takes place. It seeps into our lives secretly, cunningly, tainting our thoughts, and it clouds our vision. It's, if it's left unchecked and if we don't deal with it, it will eventually penetrate our hearts and paralyze our ability to live the life that God, that God called us to live. It will taint us and it will paralyze us from living the life that he called us, that, that we could love and that we could be loved. It is the unforgiveness that does so much more to us than it does to the other person when we refuse to forgive. And the offense that, that it comes with is the bait that the enemy uses to lure us into bondage. He, he, he knows that he can't just come and present it to us it, it, right in front of our face. So it, it happens little by little. It's a slow fade that, that comes into our lives. And, and if somebody can offend me here and, and bitterness takes place and takes root in my heart and resentment takes root in my heart, all of a sudden I, am, I find myself not being able to love, not being able to be loved. That's why I'm always arguing with someone. It doesn't matter because there is something inside of me that I have not surrendered to the Lord. When we become offended, what truly happens is we become unyielding. So think about it like this manner. Think about it in this way. Think about a city that's surrounded by its large walls. The wall's purpose is to protect that city so nothing can come into that city. People may have hurt us once, but we will not allow them to do it again. And what happens is, but what works for a city is, is, is double-fold because a city of stone doesn't necessarily work in the same manner for, for a heart that is made of flesh and for a heart that has blood inside of it. Walls may keep out the bad stuff, but it also keeps out the good stuff. It also keeps out the good stuff. With walls around our hearts, we not only protect ourselves from pain and from rejection, but we also don't allow love to come in. And we don't also allow life-giving relationships to be in our vicinity because they're walls that we have put up. We think it is up to us to protect our hearts, and nobody knows it like I do, and it's my best interest. But the truth is God never meant it to be our responsibility it is his responsibility. It is his responsibility. Unforgiveness holds us bondage, and it keeps us from living a life that God wants for us. It keeps us from living out of the tree of life. It keeps us bond, uh, bound, should I say, to the tree, of, that is, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So why is it so hard for us at times to forgive others? So let's look at a few possible explanations what are some reasons why we may struggle to forgive? So if you're asking yourself here today, why haven't I been able to forgive this person that has been out of my life for years? Why isn't that I have not been able to be, be free and truly embrace the life that God called us to be? Let's look at it. Number one, we have a wrong idea of forgiveness. We have a wrong idea of forgiveness. What is your concept? What is your truth? Or what do you perceive it to be? The first reason we don't offer forgiveness easily to others is that we have an incorrect definition of what forgiveness is. To truly understand what it means to forgive someone, we need to start by learning what forgiveness is not. Number two, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. You don't make light of it. You don't brush it off. You don't sweep it under the rug. It's not doing that. Of offering forgiveness to someone 
who has wronged you is not saying it's not a big deal. Or it's not saying it really didn't hurt. What was done or said was not right. We're not excusing that. And harm never reflects the Father's heart for you. So you can't say that that is what God wanted for you. God's perfect will is to protect you, it's to care for you, and it's to nurture you. But when you choose to forgive, you choose not to hang on to the offense because it robs you of freedom. It doesn't hurt anyone but you. It doesn't hurt anyone but me. So number three, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Forgive and, forgive and forget. You know it's not possible. Forgive and forget. For, it's not forgetting what happened. Sometimes we think in order to forgive someone, we must forget what happened. And some of us in this place may be waiting until the memory is completely erased for us to be able to forgive that individual when that is not what is intended to happen. Forgive and forget is saying that that holds no truth. The reality is that we may never forget. Let's just be honest. The, the reality and the truth is that we may never forget what happened to us, but God wants to do something extraordinary in our lives. Isn't that incredible that regardless of what has happened to us, God still loves us and God still cares for us. God still has a future that is good. God still has a plan for you. There is a reason why that didn't take you out. There's a reason why you are still here and you're still standing and your heart is still beating and you can still come and you can still praise the living God. That, that, there is a reason why it did not take you out. God wants to do something extraordinary. He wants to bring healing into our hearts so that we can remember the past experiences without having to relive the pain associated with them. I'll say that one more time. He wants to bring healing to your heart so that you can move past those past experiences without having to relive the pain associated with them. God wants to show you how he can make all things new. All things new. The fourth thing, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation. When we often make reconciliation a condition of forgiveness, we set ourselves up for failure. It's saying when I when they apologize, I will forgive them. When they admit that they were wrong, I will forgive them. In doing so, we become hostage to the other individual. We become hostage. We become, in, in other words, a slave to the other individual because I am not going to be free until you decide to say I'm sorry when that's not the way it needs to be. Letting go of an offense does not mean that you must reconcile with the person because some of us in this place need to forgive people that have passed on from this life. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, on you, 
Live at peace with everyone. God understands that there are times when reconciliation may not be the best choice. There are times where you will not be able to have the conversation to be able to arrive to that place of forgiveness. There are times where the the setting may not be right for you to come into a conversation and say, I forgive you and and do you forgive me? And for us to have that, that mutual understanding, there are times when that is not possible. If the offender is not ready to reconcile, you and I know if they're not ready to talk, it's not going to amount to no good. It will only cause further pain. It will only cause further disappointment when you are exposed to those same circumstances. But in such situations, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us. Amen. We need to be able to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Begin by allowing the miracle of forgiveness to happen in you. You can't control the other individual. You can't control their actions. You can't control their thoughts. You can't control their words. But I can control me. I can say I choose to forgive. I choose to let it go. Amen. Reconciliation is a two-way street. If you have forgiven someone in this place and you desire to restore that relationship, you need to use wisdom throughout the process. It's something that we tread carefully. The door to reconciliation, this is important and it's not in your notes, so please listen well. The door to reconciliation may be open if you see the following in the other person. You see repentance where that person has turned away from wrong actions and they are literally going in the opposite direction. It can be restitution when that person is seeking to make things right if possible and it is when there is rebuilding trust. When when they're proving themselves consistent in words and actions. The fifth thing, reasons why we don't forgive, we don't think it's fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Another reason we don't offer this forgiveness is because those who have hurt us, it's not right. It's not fair. It doesn't mean that we have to let them off the hook. It doesn't seem fair that I have to let them off the hook. You don't understand. You're telling me. I know you're looking at me saying, you don't know what was done to me. So why should I let someone off the hook? I'm not telling you for them. I'm telling them for you. I'm saying it for you. I love you enough that I want you to let go of whatever is harboring bitterness and resentment in your heart and for you to be able to truly love those around you and for you to truly be at peace with with who God says you are, regardless of your past. We reason in our minds and we say, that person doesn't deserve our forgiveness. That person doesn't deserve to be forgiven by me. But God doesn't use the fairness logic. Let's just look at it for what it is. God does not use the fairness logic or doesn't hand out forgiveness based on merit, based on whether you deserve it or not. And thank God because none of us in this place, starting with me, deserve forgiveness. But God who is rich in mercy... But God, who is rich in mercy, he first loved me. You remember when they asked Jesus, you know, they were trying to figure out, how many times do I need to forgive the the people that offend me? He says 70 times 7. He was telling them 490 times a day, you need to forgive somebody. That's once every three minutes of the day, considering how fast our minds often race. That number doesn't even seem to be far-fetched, does it? 
Because in the parable, we see also in the, in the scriptures, in the parable of the unforgiving debtor, the first man who owed the, ki- who owed the king millions of dollars, but when he begged for mercy, the king canceled all his debt. Aren't you glad that he canceled our debt? Aren't you glad that he does not hold, uh, he does not remember what I did? He, he, didn't, rem- he didn't let uh, whatever you did, he didn't let whatever you did, he didn't let whatever I did hold him back. No, he, he, was, uh, he was hung high and he was stretched wide. He canceled the debt that was against us. What, the, what man couldn't do and what the law couldn't do, Jesus, with one action, with his action of the cross, paid our debt. As sinners, we owe too great of a debt that we could not pay, but God showed us great mercy. And by the blood of Jesus, he paid our debt in full. We have been forgiven much, but in this same parable, there's a second man. There's a second man who owed the the first man a debt of a few thousand dollars. So here you have a man who has been forgiven a million dollars, and here you have a second man who owed that man a few thousand dollars. And while this is not an insignificant, significant amount of money. The first man was forgiven so much more. He was forgiven a much greater debt. And in the light of the incredible mercy he was shown by the king, he should have readily shown mercy on the man who owed him, You, or so you would think. Since we have been forgiven so much, shouldn't we extend that same forgiveness? I wouldn't want Jesus to hold it against me, so I forgive. We should extend what we have received to others. We should extend what we, the forgiven must forgive. It's important that we do. The sixth thing, I know you're, how many points do I have? So many. We don't think we can do it. Reasons why I don't forgive, I don't think I can do it. Have you ever told yourself that? I don't think I could ever forgive that person. I don't think I could ever let it go. I don't think I could ever get past it. I don't think I could ever show that person mercy. This is another reason that holds us hostage in our day-to-day life. Yeah, you're free on the outside, but how about the inside? How about the inside? We don't think we have the power. We don't think we have the strength. We don't have the will to do so. I want to tell you that is the voice of the enemy. That is the voice of the enemy. He is a liar and he is the father of every lie. We must recognize and we must silence the voice of the enemy in our life telling us that we cannot do it, that we don't have the power to do so, that we don't have the strength to do so. In our, in our own human power, we may not have enough strength to forgive. We may not have enough strength to forget, forgive the great wrongs that have been done against us. But when I walk in this Christian walk and knowing that that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do it when he comes into my life. We are empowered by the supernatural strength of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. I will only be arrogant, he said, all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm not going to focus on my strength. I'm not going to focus on what I can do. I'm going to focus on what he can do. I'm going to focus on the fact that I am nothing. I am no one. I am nobody. But in him, I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. I can't even lift a finger if he wouldn't allow me. I couldn't even do any, I couldn't move an inch if he wouldn't give me the strength to do it. I have to rely on him in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths and he will guide your steps. In this passage, Paul is saying that something incredible happens in the midst of his struggles, that God's power is at work. Forgiveness does not Hear me well, forgiveness does not turn us into doormats. That people could do whatever they want with us. Absolutely not. No, on the contrary, forgiveness makes us victorious. Forgiveness makes us victorious. We talk about victory, we shout about victory, but I also have to be willing to, 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 it's either all true or it's not true. I have to be able to forgive to live a victorious life. Forgiveness is not a choice. It's not a fe- forgiveness is a choice, should I say, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. And it's a choice that I have to make daily. It's a choice you have to make daily. Because sometimes we prefer to wait until it feels right, until the opportunity arises for me to forgive. But if we live our lives dictated on feelings, can you imagine if you lived your life dictated on feelings? We will always live according to the reality of this world. But God is inviting us together into a new reality, a reality where we are free indeed. If we dare to believe God and we choose first to forgive, then let our feelings follow and we'll be able to see the liberating power of God in our lives as we make a decision to say, you know what, I let it go and I trust God with my present and I trust him with my future. Then instead of merely reacting when something happens to me, I can choose to live in the tree of life and say, I'll, I'll forgive you. Choices lead and feelings follow. We forgive others in response to the great forgiveness we have been shown by the master. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19 says this, come now, listen, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet They shall be white as snow. How do you find yourself this morning? It doesn't matter if your sins are like red. If they're like scarlet, he said, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, listen to that. If you are willing and if you are obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. God makes this invitation. God says, this is what happens, but are you willing and you're, are you obedient? If you're willing and if you're obedient. Forgiveness is not a suggestion, but it is a requirement from our loving Father for our benefit. For our benefit. 
Look at what Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32 says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Romans 5, 6 says that while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to die for us. When it comes to understanding forgiveness, this is so critical and this is so important because it is impossible to forgive others of their offenses until we forgive ourselves of our offenses. Because I can't give you what I don't have. Could it be that I'm struggling to forgive others because I haven't forgiven myself for what I did years ago or for what I did last night? Could it be that I am not giving and offering forgiveness to you because of things that are wrong in my life? And deep down on the inside. Because for me to truly give happiness, I have to be happy. I can't offer you something I don't have. I can't give you $100 if I don't have $100. I can only give you with what I have. So if I have not forgiven myself, it could be a good indicator of why I can't forgive others in my life. If we struggle with this, it's... Chances are that we have not fully grasped what God has done for us. That we have been given total forgiveness for our past, for our present, and for our future sin. It is not that God forgets our sins, but rather he chooses to remember our sin no more. Isn't that awesome? While you and I as humans can't really get our minds past it and we're still stuck in it, he chooses, he makes a choice to remember our sin no more. He chooses to never mention our sin again. He chooses to not hang it over our head. He chooses to to not use it against us. No, why does he do this? Because God desperately wants you and I to be in a relationship with him. And until we understand this, it will always stand in the way Isaiah 43, 25 says this, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. An unforgiving, unwilling to forgive attitude hurts you and I so much. An offense is something that we consider to be a violation of what we think what is right and fair. And we need to understand that the enemy uses this against us to hold us captive and to keep us from moving forward and to keep us from advancing and to keep us from really obtaining the freedom that he has for us. The word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, which means the bait. It is the bait the enemy uses in our lives. In the Old Testament, when someone wanted to trap an animal, they they would cover up a pit with branches and and place a piece of flesh 
a scandalon on top of the branches to lure that animal into that trap. And when that animal got there and saw that piece of flesh there, it would immediately fall into that trap. It was the bait that was used. Satan uses an offense that, that can come our way as bait to be able to lure us into a trap of unforgiveness. And some of us may be stuck in a trap this morning. We may be stuck in bondage. We may be stuck in what the enemy put out in front of us because he did that to me. I'll never be able to be better. And because she did that to me, I'll never get out. Oh, the, end, the devil is a liar. There is power in Jesus' name. And it doesn't matter what has come against you. It doesn't matter what has come against you. You can't. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've come to declare the living word of God over your life. It doesn't matter what word. It doesn't matter what action was done to you. There is no greater word than his word. And there is no greater action than the action of the cross. There is power to be free. By holding on to an offense, we think that we are trapping onto the other person. We think we are holding the other person captive and hostage when it is truly just us. It's truly just us. Here's a list of five common snares that the enemy uses to lure us into unforgiveness. Notice that Jesus himself also suffered all of these offenses. And I'll prove it to you here. Jesus was fully God. He was fully man. He allowed himself to be tempted in every way. That we are tempted today because he wanted us to know that no matter what we face, he has been there and he has overcome. And because he has overcome, we can overcome also. There's betrayal. When you feel, when, when we are betrayed by a best friend who lied, a spouse who didn't stay forever, a confidant who broke our trust, when we are falsely accused, misunderstood... Or perhaps the subject of gossip and slander when we're rejected by a spouse, friend, a trusted authority, or even a church friend. When we are abused emotionally, physically, verbally, or perhaps even sexually. When we are humiliated, haunted by an embarrassing moment, ashamed or disgraced. Remember that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, a trusted friend and one of his disciples. Remember that he was falsely accused Wrongly indicted in several courts. Remember that he was rejected by Peter, one of his disciples and one of his closest companions. He was abused. He was beaten, tortured, cursed, crucified on a cross. He was humiliated. He was crucified. And he was disgraced in a public setting. He did all of that to say, when you're there, I'm there. What you feel, I have felt. And as he, as he overcame, we can also. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 in the message translation says this. That that's why he had to enter into every detail. Listen to this. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. That, that when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced all of it himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. He went through it all. He loved you that much that to know that in this world you'll have trouble. He went 
through it all to, so that you would know that when you, when you have trouble and when you are done wrong, that he has been there. He's gone through. He's walked through that, he's walked through that street. And because he has, he can help you. He can help you. He says, I understand. I went through it too. Not only is Jesus able to empathize, and I'm drawing to a close. Not only is he able to empathize with our pain, but because he went through these trials, he is able to set an example of how we should respond when we suffer at the hand of others. He set an example of how we can respond when you and I suffer at the hand of others because there are some things in life that are not our fault. At his death, Jesus asked the Father to forgive the very ones who cursed him, who nailed his hands and feet to the cross, and he said, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. In reality, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were killing a man. They were torturing a man. They were beating a man. They were hating a man. They were making sure he felt every ounce of the malice that they felt in their hearts towards him. Jesus knew his oppressors were blinded by hate. He knew, but he chose to view their actions with a heavenly perspective. Offenses will undoubtedly come, so we must respond with the same thinking of Jesus. Our primary prayer in relationships should be that we follow him, should be that we allow him to, to be Lord in our lives, and that we could see other people through the eyes of Jesus. If we begin to see others as God sees them, we find ourselves loving people the way Jesus did. Did you hear me? If we see others the way God sees them, we'll love other people the way Jesus loves them. So consider this. Living an unoffended life. How do we keep our hearts pure? How do we keep our hearts unoffended? Number one, we recognize our own imperfection. We will never have to forgive others for more than God has forgiven us. What I am offering to you is not more than what God has done for me. The second thing, I focus on the real enemy. People are not the real enemy. The devil is. The devil is. Jesus made a choice to see the people with the hammer and nails as unknowing participants in Satan's agenda of darkness. The next thing, receive the love of God. Receive the love of God. This will give us the capacity to be able to love people. Is that what, something that's lacking in your life this morning? If we continually struggle to love people, it may be because we have not fully received the love of God. Worship team, where you come. The Bible steps for walking out forgiveness are countercultural. What does that mean? They're countercultural and counterintuitive to what this world states and what they believe, but if you follow them, they will change your lives. Our way of thinking and God's way of thinking are on two different levels. His ways are above our ways. Amen. 
His ways are above our ways. So you have to do your part. So you have to pray for other people that have offended you. Society says to pay evil with evil. And society says to do wrong with wrong. But you have to pray for the people who have offended you. And you have to bless those who have offended you. You have to bless those who have offended you. For some of us, we can struggle in this area. Because we talk negatively about those that have wronged us. But Jesus goes a step further and says, don't just forgive them. He says, bless them. The word bless means to speak well of. Listen to what the Bible says. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurts you the next thing you got to do good to people who have offended you do good to people who have offended you what does that mean this requires a change in our way of thinking it's not that we're repaying good for evil it's that we have made a choice we have made a decision to do good to those that have offended us It's not looking at it through my eyes. It's not looking at it through my perspective, but it's looking at it through his perspective. And I got three minutes and 47 seconds to tell you why it's so important that we forgive ourselves. Because while I'm talking about forgiveness on this level, and I'm telling you that we need to let go of some things that people have done to us, but what about what I have done that holds me and that stops me in my tracks? What about the things that I have done that's holding me back from really jumping into a full relationship with God and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with it. What about the thing in my life that's holding me back from serving on a ministry team, from being more involved, from sharing Jesus with people that I run into in the streets? What about the things in my life that I'm unashamed of, that I have not been willing, that even though he has forgiven me because his word says that I have trouble forgiving myself. And anybody been there before? It, it, it is a, it's a rough place to be when that, that movie of all the things that you have done in your life that dates back to as far as you could remember begin to replay in your mind. When God tells you, I'm going to do a new thing, and when God tells you, I'm going to do something great in your life, and then you begin to think of what you did when you were 27, or you begin to think of what what happened when you were 17 or 14, and all these things come into play. It is the lie of the enemy that peace and freedom slip away, and our past just comes back to rear its head against us. You can't bury, you can't get, you can't bury the past. You have to confront it and you have to release it to God. You can't bury the fact that we have a past, but we have to say, Jesus, I trust you with my past. We struggle because we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up. Why did I do this? Why did, if I could have made a different choice, if I could go back and do things all over again, it's only a trap. You can't do anything about it. 
When David was confronted about his sin, he repented and he cried out to God. He said, forgive me, create in me a pure heart. I can't do anything about what I've already done, but I can do something about right now. And I choose God to say, I'm sorry, I've done wrong, and I need your spirit. Don't let your spirit leave from me. I need you in my life in this moment. I need you right now. The Bible says that he was bent over in pain, that his body ached. Can I tell you that when we harbor sin, it can affect our physical body as well when there is really no sickness inside of us. But the fact that I haven't released it in my life and I have said, God, have your way in my life. I trust you with it. It can cause pain to come into your physical body dealing with all kinds of issues and hurt because of something that I have not let go to God. God help us. We blame others. We blame others. The tactic has been used since Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, if you'll remember when God asked Adam why he disobeyed, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Take responsibility. I can't, I'm, there, there's, we have made, all of us have made poor choices, but you know what? I can, today's a new day and I can make a new choice today and I can make a new choice tomorrow. I can't go back and rewrite my past, but my past is nailed to the cross. I can do something about right now. Stop beating yourself up. Stop blaming others. Take responsibility. It's done. It's over with. It, there is a new chapter that God wants to write in your life. There is a new, he is not done with your story yet. He's not done with it. It doesn't matter what they've told you. It doesn't matter who lied to you. It doesn't matter what has been going through your mind. Your story is not over. You, it doesn't end like this. 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 Man. Defeat every lie. Defeat every, gosh almighty. I'm skipping a lot of good stuff here. Receive God's forgiveness by faith. It will free your hearts. Receive, receive God's forgiveness through faith. It will free your heart. You don't have to do anything to earn his forgiveness. You don't have to change anything. He loves you just like that. He'll forgive you just like that. You have to defeat the lies with the truth. You have to defeat the lies with the truth. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness and holiness and redemption. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God never said that forgiveness would be easy, but he did say, I'll take the hurt and I'll take the pain and I can use it for good. I can use it for good. Please, I want to invite you, to, I want to pray for you. In this moment, whether it's something that someone did to you, whether it's something that you have not let go of, that you did, and you come to church but you question if God really loves you,
go through the motions at home, but you are always replaying that event in your life or those events in your life, and it's hard for you to move past them. God wants true freedom for you. And I feel his presence, and I know his spirit is in this place. So right now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word that lets us know that you have forgiven us, that you have canceled our debt, that you have nailed it to the cross. That though my sins be like scarlet, that though, though, be, though they be red as crimson, God, that you can make them white as snow. That though my load may be heavy, that you are a burden bearer. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that is already attained through the blood of Jesus. Right now, God, we release resentment, we release bitterness, we release hurt. God, we release those things that were once done to us. The person that may have offended us may be long gone, God, but right now, the hurt that is still inside is real, but we release it to you. We release it to you and we make an active choice to forgive. We make an active choice. We make an intentional decision to forgive because you have forgiven us. God, so all the events in our lives that have caused hurt, that have caused betrayal, that have caused rejection, right now we release to you, God, and we declare freedom in this place. We declare freedom in this place. But not only those that have offended us, God, but for those of us in this place that can't get past what we did, that can't get past what we did, what we committed, what we spoke, what we said, what we did right now, God, we move past it in Jesus' name. We get past our past and embrace our present and look towards our future with hope and anticipation and, and knowing, God, that you have great things in store for us. God, but right now, all the things that stand in the way of us living a life of freedom, everything that stands in the way of us being able to truly be loved by you and be loved by those around us and in exchange give love right now, we come against it in the name of Jesus and we declare freedom in this place in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you have not made in this place a first-time decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we don't want to close this service without giving you the opportunity to do so. He loves you, and he offers you forgiveness. He offers you forgiveness unconditionally, not forgiveness the way you've seen in this life, not forgiveness like the way you've been offered, that, that it is conditional. I'll forgive you if you do this. I'll, no, he says, I love you and I forgive you. And if that's you, I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. I see you right now. 
right now. His love is in this place. And I want to invite everybody at the sound of my voice to pray with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love. When I couldn't forgive myself, you forgave me. When I couldn't love, you loved me. Come into my heart, change my life, and use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise for everybody that accepted him today? Come on, let's stand all over this place and let's give God glory for just a few more moments. Come on. Before we close, as we enter a moment of worship, I want to invite everyone who feels to come to this altar. There is something in your heart that you just feel you need to let go and let God. If there is something in your heart that you just need to release to Jesus, I want to invite you to come. I'd love the opportunity to pray alongside you. Take a step of faith. Take some action and say, you know what, God, regardless of the hurt that has been in my life, regardless of what I've experienced in my mind and in my heart, and regardless of what has held me captive to be able to truly embrace a life of freedom, right now, God, I just leave it all at your feet. I leave it all at your feet, and I trust you with my present, and I trust you for my future. I thank you that my past is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But I also thank you, God, that you have great things in store for me. So right now, as we enter a moment of worship, we're, we're going to trust that, that his name, his name, the name of Jesus, has power and authority over you has power and authority over every circumstance and every situation. We're going to trust that the winds and that the waves that have come against you and against you still know his name. And we're going to declare in this place that there is freedom. We're going to declare right now that we're not held bonded. We're not held captive to the things that have once been done to our life. We're not going to be even held captive to what we were held captive to when we walked into this place. There is freedom in this place. Minds are being healed spirits are being healed hearts are being healed in the presence of almighty god right now father once again we just praise you in this place father we praise you in this place come on impact city church let's thank him for freedom father we praise you in this place for the freedom that is here right now in this moment we thank you that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper we thank you that there is nothing too great that you haven't forgiven god right now we thank you that there is nothing too great that has been done to us that we cannot forgive right now god we release it all to you we trust you with it we believe you for it we have faith in you for it right now in Jesus name all over this auditorium God we thank you for your presence that is here we thank you for your spirit that is lifting up that is restoring that is healing that is delivering we thank you for your spirit that is saving that is making you that is right now in Jesus name we thank you right now come on impact city church let's worship the